And we're live using a new system, recording conversations. I'm super excited. End of the year, finally figured it out. Which, for folks who've been listening, by the way, welcome to Millennial Manhood. I feel like I've had like technology issues forever, so I think we finally got a solution to all the issues. But anyway, welcome to the last episode of the year. I've got James Gilreath, the Millennial Manhood veteran, on the episode. And uh, then I've also got my buddy Drew Holt, who uh, most of you probably don't know who he is. So, Drew, if you want to go ahead and give the folks a 10,000-foot view of uh, who you are. Sure. Well, thanks for having me on. Um, So, professionally, I have a financial planning practice. Um, That is a a big element of my life and certainly sink a lot of time into that. Um, But personally, um, and I am super married. I'm a a newlywed. Uh, I got married a little over a year ago, and that has foundationally transformed my life. So as I'm thinking about how to answer that question, uh, viewing that through the lens of a husband is certainly one of the ways that I think about it. Um, I'm a Christian. I'm a a son and a brother. uh, And here recently have been just really tearing into a bunch of books and tearing into a bunch of distance races. Uh, I'm trying to knock out a marathon in every state. So maybe that's a, a good high level overview. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Um, James, it's been a while since you've been on. What's been going on in your world? Oh, not too much, man. But I feel like Drew just took my life. <laughs> man, that's cool. I'm, I'm a newlywed also. So got married in August and I've been running a lot of races, not distance races, though, but half mile or less pretty much. Every now and then a 5K or so, but that's that's super cool. Everything Drew's got going on as well. But um, recently left my job a couple months ago, so now I'm full, training full-time and um, really going in for 2020, 2020 Olympics, which will be, the trials will be June 19th of 2020, and then the Olympics will be a month and a half after that, month, month and a half after that, yeah. So that's, that's what I'm laser focused on that right now. Awesome. Awesome. So that gives us some some good talking points. So, you know, the purpose of today is um, unlike the traditional interview format that I do or the the book club we've been doing, um, I really wanted it to be a, you know, 2019's in the books. Today's the second to last day. This episode's coming out on the last day. And I really wanted to have a conversation with the two of you. Um, what have you learned about 2019? What have you learned about yourself? What do you see going into 2020? You know, Drew, you mentioned you've been reading a lot of books. James, I know you read a lot of books. I'm in the middle of a lot of books right now. Just what what kind of progress have we made as men? What kind of things have we learned about ourselves? What can what wisdom can we impart um, so others don't reinvent the wheel? And what can we learn from each other? So um, does anybody want to take the lead on that? Yeah, I can jump in. Go for it. I learned a lot of different things this year. I think the most important thing I've been learning, but really over the past couple of years, but this year it's kind of started solidifying is um, keep it simple, stupid. The kids motto, like (laughs) going back to the episode earlier in the year, we reviewed the one thing, just focusing in on one thing and how, you don't have to be overly ambitious. You don't have to tack a million things in order to be productive, in order to get something done, in order to chase a mission. You can be content and productive doing one thing and, and 
wrapping your integrating your life around that. So um, I really feel like just sitting down and turning off has allowed me to be more productive, has allowed me to be more wise in my actions. So like the, the full focus planner has been helping me out with that too. Just kind of right now, three major things to get done today, even though I have like 20 things that I want to get done, just the power of focusing on those very few things. And in general, only focus on, on a macro level, focusing on maybe one big thing or two big things. So that's been so huge. It's allowed me to rest my mind and my body and to put my energy into what I really want to do. So still figuring it out, but that's the big thing. And a lot of small things are branching off from that. I was reading um, some Nietzsche, so Frederick Nietzsche, Beyond Good and Evil, earlier this year. And I'm still trying to finish that book before the end of the year. Um, and he talks about how nuance, as you mature, nuances of things really make the difference. Mm -hmm. Instead of letting those things polarize you from something, that's really what makes a difference. So like being simple doesn't mean that it's easy. Being simple doesn't mean that I'm lazy. It doesn't mean that I'm barely doing anything. It doesn't mean I'm doing one thing, like make a cup of coffee, then I go back to sleep the rest of the day. It means that I'm just focusing on one particular discipline and just it's really like the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule, getting everything in the one thing it's talking about, just focusing on all my efforts in one area and then all the other stuff that could add minimal and marginal gains, just kind of throwing that to the wayside. I love it. True. Yeah, James, that's an interesting concept. I read a book this year called Essentialism, and it mm. sounds to be a lot like what you're talking about of how to trim the fat off your life and just focus on what's really important. And you said simple doesn't mean easy. Uh, that's super true. So how do you, how did you go about finding that process of kind of clarifying and distilling like what really is important to you so that then you could focus on it? I mean, obviously I think mm -hmm. for you like running in the Olympics that probably gives some clarity, but what are maybe some of the other things for you that you feel like you're trying to focus on? Um, man, so I honestly think that going through the process of doing so many things it really kind of gave me the clarity that I needed because it gave me the experience to know, okay, this is not contributing positively to my goal. Okay. Having this full-time job is not contributing positively to my training goal. Um, and just talking through with people. So my sports psychologist, I meet with every week talking through with him um, about ideas. He, he shared this idea with me that in our culture, we tend to see things in our discipline. Like I might follow, other people who are training for the Olympics or who maybe even in my same event. And I might see them doing something over here that I don't do. Maybe they're doing some core exercise that I don't do. And immediately I feel like, oh, I got to do that now. Because if mm -hmm. I don't do that, my gluteus maximus extensor muscle, whatever muscle that, that's not even real, um, <laughs> it's not going to be strong. So now I feel bonded. I'm in bondage to that idea. So really just realizing I don't have to be in bondage to this. And even if it gives marginal gains, is it going to take away from something that is absolutely priority and absolutely essential um, to what I'm doing? So now I take that approach in everything and I've kind of kind of question everything. Um, 
is this really essential? Is is it my main thing? Do I do I need this? So I go through that process, and really, if, if I'm okay right now as I am, why should I add that in? It's not necessary. Yeah, I think that's that's a great point. That's something I'm personally just reflecting on at the end of the year that I think maybe ties into that is learning how to say no to mm-hmm. a lot of things or maybe to most things. Because when you have that focus and that singular, that, hey, these are the one or two things that need to get done or that are my overarching themes and goals. If those are the things that are excellent or really worth pursuing, that means you got to say no to a lot of things that could be really good or could be in the in the moment a really shiny object. Um, you know, so that's that's something personally you talk about how to find that focus and, and that clarity on that. One thing I really try to learn this year is how to balance uh, a lot of different areas of my life. So how do you balance, you know, the stresses or pressures of professional or work success with things with your family, being really plugged in as, as a husband, as a leader of your family, uh, mixed in with how do you make sure that you've got the right spiritual focus and growth and then don't let your physical stuff fall off as well. So you have all these different maybe sectors of your life and each of those sectors can have that overarching theme and focus. And so how do you balance those things and even just balance your pacing that you're running at? Because if you're attacking that at a hundred percent, you're going to be burned out. But if you can maintain that 90, 95%, then you can keep that going a lot longer and you can get a lot more done. So I don't know if either of you have ever experienced that, but trying to maybe rein in your personality, not just to completely throw yourself at something wholeheartedly, but to do that at a level that is close to that, but that's more sustainable. Dude, you're Mm. literally, you're preaching the gospel of Yavitsa. I feel, I feel like my personality, I go hard as hell at things when I get excited about them, but it's just not sustainable for a long period of time. So that's something that I've had to work through really in the last probably four or five years of creating sustainable um, action plans, goals. And it's a work in progress. I'm, I'm nowhere near perfect. Um, you know, it's, it's funny what you mentioned, James, the, and I know Drew, you use it as well, but the full focus planner might be the greatest thing ever invented. <laughs> like it, the, the way it just organizes my life, which shout out to Michael Hyde. I'll put a link to the full focus planner in the, in the description. Um, but the, the way it just helps you organize your priorities and organize the things that need to get done, um, has been incredibly impactful for me, but I'll, I'll take it even a step further, which again, I promise we're not getting paid by Michael Hyatt, but I'm currently working through, um, his book best year ever which I'll put a link for that as well. But one of the things in the book that you have to do at the beginning of the process is you basically have to close out your past and essentially forgive yourself for the things that haven't gone maybe according to plan. So he gives an example. He was in publishing for a really long time. He's the former CEO of Thomas Nelson. And um, he was talking about early on in his career how he worked really hard on his client, closed this big deal, and then the client basically left him. Um, to sign with a bigger publishing company or agency. 
And uh, he was talking about how that really messed him up for a really long time, just emotionally and mentally and in business. And so part of the exercise is, like, like I said, closing out the past, writing out what in your past uh, may have not have gone according to plan, accepting it and closing out, closing out that chapter. So that's really something I worked on last week. And, um, you know, Drew, I know you weren't you weren't around, you were with family, but uh, it's like I was walking on cloud nine last week because I felt like the weight of the world had been lifted off my shoulder. And it, it I, I guess I didn't realize how much forgiving myself and, and letting go of certain things and, and um, accepting that certain things may not have gone according to plan, which is funny because we focus on the things that don't go according to plan. We completely ignore the things that did go according to plan um, or better than according to plan. But Closing out that chapter on certain things has been just so liberating, um, you know, and, and, you know, one of the things that I've been working on hard myself is, and James has been around long for this ride. So in the last six months, I've run six 5Ks and um, I hate running. It's funny because now I kind of like running. But it, when I started in June, it was like the middle of June. I signed up for uh, four or 5K that was like two weeks out and I hadn't ran in like forever. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go out there. I'm just going to run a mile. I thought I was going to die at the end of that mile because I just hadn't ran in forever. Um, which now I'm, I got challenged to do a half marathon in 2020 in the early part of 2020. So I'm going to do that. Um, and it's it's really, really cool watching that progression, just the consistency and just starting small. So I didn't go out there and say, let me go run 10K right now when I haven't ran in forever. Well, let me just start with a mile and see how I can control that and just work through that and then let me bump it up to two then to three then to four whatever so that's that's been really really cool i don't even know if that's part of the question you asked i just ended up going on a rant sorry drew <laughs> no no i think that's awesome and getting after it like that i'm sure has led to so many benefits in your life like taking on hard challenges and you see that progression and you run in a half at the start of the year. Does that mean that you've got enough room at the end of the year to run full? Is that what I hear you saying? Dude, there's no way in hell I'll ever run a full. That doesn't sound fun at all. Like they, like a half marathon, I can see myself finishing a half marathon and getting to the point and being like, that was awesome. I accomplished something. I don't see any, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't see any point where I would run a marathon and at the end of it being like, that was awesome. Well, <laughs> so it, it's funny. You mentioned, you said, hey, I really hate running or I didn't enjoy running, but I started doing it. Um, I don't know that I particularly enjoy running. Um, but what I do love about running is the mental sharpness and acuity that you get after tackling something that's really hard, because what that does is completely reframe your expectations and your understanding for what something, uh, is hard. So when you have a long day at the office, when you're in a disagreement with someone you're close to, when you have anything go on in your life, if you have a touch point that you can say, okay, this is difficult, but what's hard is when I'm throwing up on the side of the road. <laughs> or what's hard is when my legs are cramping and every quarter mile I have to stretch or when a random lady is running by and throws a mustard packet and says, here, you look like you need this for your cramp. Like those things are hard. Yeah. Um, oh so when that happens, then, you know, you're able to kind of go deeper and find that fortitude to get through it. So I love it, man. You're getting after it. And that'll just only continue to build that up for you. Bro, a mustard packet. 
<laughs> Please tell me she was and, like 70 years old too. You know, yeah. Uh, I've gotten passed by uh, a guy who was 73 uh, and in the last mile of a marathon. Um, mm. I've gotten I've gotten beaten in marathons by people who power walk. Uh, I mean, it is just a humbling experience in general. But then you see the the field, and that's also humbling at times. It's funny. Um, yeah. Man, I don't want to turn this into a running podcast, but I got it. Look, I hated running for a lot longer than both of y'all. I would imagine. <laughs> yes. I hated it for about twenty years, and I've been doing it for about 20 years, um, <laughs> a little over 20 years. But recently, the past couple of years, it just kind of like, I love certain things from it, like the the side effects of running, but the actual act of it, especially distance running, man, I hated it. But I share that same feeling, man. Like when I was working full time, I could go do a 10 mile run in the morning. I would get into the office, like my day is done. I did everything hard already. Like what, what you got to throw at me? I can knock out anything like that feeling is like I've won the day already. So nothing else, even things that I know are hard, they would never register as hard because my mind is already it's reached its limit. I've already been through the fire. So I'm I'm numb to hard things for the day or for the week. Give it, throw it at me. And I try to share that with my friends and my family who do not work out that power and that sense of the efficacy that you get from running and working out. It's unmatched, man. It's it's the best feeling ever. It's um. I know I've talked to you, James, about this, and I've I know I've talked to you as well, Drew. Garrett Gunderson has a concept called "Win Then Play." So mm-hmm. "Win Then Play" is all about setting up your environment to where before you ever get to the things that need you need to accomplish, whether it's in finance and business, whatever it may be, you've already won. Mm. Um. So that's why he calls it "Win Then Play." Um, and it's all about your sole purpose and figuring out how to utilize your sole ver- purpose to create value in the economy to basically scale your business. Um, so that's really where it goes. But overall, that's what that's what it made me think of. And I mean, yeah, you're right. Like, um, I mean, I, I remember the first time I ran uh, the equivalent of 5K without having to stop a single time. Bro, you couldn't tell me anything in that moment. Like, and I had done it in the past. Like I ran like in cross country races in high school, you go run and I ran much better times than I run now, but like just being so far removed from it, just being a complete, you know, a completely different human being at this point in my life, getting that accomplished. I was like, hell yeah, let's go. Um, so that's, that's been super cool. Um, Drew, do you want to add anything to the running? Uh, well, maybe just a segue on that. Uh, there's a Mark Twain quote that kind of goes along with that. Uh, he says, if it's your job to eat a frog, it's best to do it first thing in the morning. And if it's mm-hmm. your job to eat two frogs, it's best to eat the biggest one first. Mm. And it's that same exact concept. It's just about what is the hardest thing that you're going to do today and how can I get it done as early as possible? Because then everything after it is easier. And so, I mean, that, that leads into as you're planning for 2020, like what's the hardest thing that you think you're going to try and accomplish and don't put it off till the end of the year. How do you try and knock that thing out in February? Um, and that's a way that's, I mean, it's intimidating to think like that. But if you can do it, imagine what's possible on the backside of that. When you've got the rest of the year and you're like, man, I already knocked this out. Right, I think that that's right. a key on a daily basis, but also on an annual basis. 
and there's something about like taking on those challenges. I think all of us probably really live for that and get up in the morning for that. Like that concept of striving after things that are hard, like that's what's actually worthwhile. And just as a man, I feel like that's kind of in our DNA to go out and seek out challenges and seek out things that are hard, not only because of that feeling of accomplishment externally, but like that feeling of internal accomplishment about, well, what does this say about me in how I, you know, stack up against this challenge and and how I walk through that. I think that self-discovery is written into every single person. Well, and, and since we're on a quote train, you made me think of something. So, um, Fyodor Dostoevsky and the Brothers Karamazov, which, by the way, if you can read that thing, it's one of the most – it's one of those books where when I read it, like every couple pages I had to put it down and go for a walk and think about life, wow. um, which is really, really hard because it's almost a thousand pages. It's a really thick book. But it's <laughs> – it's the Brothers Karamazov, written by Dostoevsky in the 1800s in, in, in uh, the Russian Empire at the time in St. Petersburg, um, Einstein – um, said it was the greatest, in his opinion, the greatest work that Western civilization has ever produced. That, I mean, it is is just a, a work that is quoted over and over and over and over and over again. And one of the quotes that it made me think of when you mentioned that Twain quote and when you, when you were talking was, um, I want to suffer and be purified by suffering. Mm. You know, the, the human condition is suffering. The human condition is life is hard and to be purified by suffering is what you said, seeking out those challenges, um, accepting the fact that life is suffering, internalizing that suffering and coming out on top, progressing as a human being from somebody who is beat down by that suffering to somebody that is purified by that suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... There's a lot to unpack there. Um, yes, that, but that's what I'm saying. Reading that book is <laughs> yeah, damn near impossible. Yeah, totally. Constantly like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what what essay can I write on this sentence now? Yeah. Yeah, well, there, there's a whole lot to unpack there. It's that suffering is fuel. Uh, go ahead, Drew. What were you saying? No, I just think that uh, that's so unmistakably true. If you think back to like the toughest times in your life. Um, Several years ago, maybe the last three or four years, uh, we had some family struggles. And it was just, I mean, a time of complete and utter chaos. And I was like, man, I have no idea how to even approach this or handle this. But the person that you become walking through that is fundamentally different than the person that you become if you don't. Mm. And so that, like, suffering, that refining fire those trials only make you stronger. Um, and I think how you handle that and the lessons that you learn from those hard things, like that fundamentally shapes you and your perspective on everything else. So uh, that actually is what led to me trying to take on marathons in the first place was mm-hmm. that I was going through a, a really tough time personally and thought, what is harder than this? Because if I can find something that's harder than this and get through that, then I know I can get through this. And then I just got bit with the bug and have just continued to do it. Um, 
I mean, for you guys, when you think about like the the hardest things that you've been through, I don't know about you. I, I don't know that I would change it and make it to where I didn't go through those. Like it sucked going through in the moment, but it becomes a part of you and it, it makes you stronger. I would definitely agree with that. Um, I, w- I wouldn't change any of the things that I've suffered because it just builds so much resilience, so much tenacity in you. Um, like even in this journey with me training for the Olympics, I've been on this journey for officially eight years now. And I've had a lot of seemingly like failures, a lot of years of pouring in and then injury strikes. Um, and I'm just, you're ready to throw in the towel. But when you don't, when you push through it, then you find a whole new level of desire waiting for you on the other side a whole new level of passion, a whole new level of focus, a whole new level of just everything, every characteristic you can think of that you didn't have on the other side of that suffering. And it's just like, man, I I didn't know this even possible to have this, this type of feeling and this type of passion going into something. And you just feel renewed and restored, like purified, like you said earlier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's you, you mentioned an interesting word that like chaos, how everything was chaos and um, how humans look to create order. And when we have that order, we feel in a sense of consistency and a, cell, a sense of control. Yet when we go into chaos, we feel like the world's crumbled us. And it's like this push pull that we constantly play with our life of chaos and order, chaos and order, chaos and order, trying to. Um, take the chaos of our life and and put it into some sort of semblance of, um, in a weird sense, control. Um, you know, when James has a has an injury, that probably feels like chaos. So what do you what do you do to try to create order? Well, you start doing different kinds of stretches and physical therapy and maybe eating different to try to avoid those, right? So so there are these changes that happen to try to create that. Um, you know, when it comes to suffering. Uh, I mean, I don't think I would change really anything in my life. Um, you know, I, I maybe I would, I wish I would look at the bad things that happen with a different lens sooner in life, which, mm. you know, 2020. Um, but I, I, I do wonder what the opportunity cost is in my life of taking this long to realize some of the things that I've realized. And, you know, I'm probably every human being that's ever lived has probably experienced that. Um, but I do think about that a lot and there's nothing we can change, but the older I get, the more I think about the whole concept of like, man, if I had known at 16, what I know now or at 18 or at 50 or whatever, or 25, what, what I would do differently. Uh, that's, that's where I'll play some mental gymnastics with myself. Hmm. Well, that's, that's, uh, a really interesting point because that just strikes at the heart of why it's so important to uh, seek out those kind of conversations with people who are going through similar things with what you've gone through uh, and learn those lessons from them. Um, Because I think we've talked about maybe like the, the individual application of going through hard things, but there is an external application of that too, in that when you go through something that's really hard, it gives you a framework to relate to other people who are going through that same thing. Mm. Um, and so, you know, similarly, 
when I went through a few things a few years ago, um, there was this entire community and network of people who reached out to me who previously I didn't even know existed, mm. who said, hey, I know what you're going through. That's really difficult. Uh, let me share my story with you on how this happened and it, how it affected me and lessons that I've learned, things that I wish I would have known when I was your age, et cetera. Um, and that's really valuable. That's invaluable to be able to, to glean from the experience of other people who've walked through difficult things. Um, and then, you know, what's funny is that I have a friend who just went through the exact same uh, very difficult family relationship. Uh, and she called me Saturday um, and I was able to relate to her mm. and to say, Hey, this, you know, I understand completely. And to be able to relate to people viscerally on that level through that suffering, that's also an element of being refined and being purified to be able to like name it and deal with it and say, look, these are the things that you might not even expect, but it's going to hit you in your self doubt. Or mm. these are the things that are coming your way that you're going to think are easy or you're going to think you've got a handle on, but you need to make sure you're talking to people. about. Um, those are just, sorry not to, to word vomit there, but, but just like there's an element of being able to relate to other people and share lessons that you've learned and hear things from them that ultimately comes through vulnerability and being willing to be vulnerable with your scars um, that as you're talking about, maybe at the beginning of this conversation, what are things you feel like you've learned? It's that power of vulnerability mm-hmm. and being vulnerable with other mm-hmm. people, because rarely will they come up and be vulnerable to you um, first time. But if you can lead that off by being vulnerable with them, like what that unlocks is a total game changer. You know, uh- James, are you about to say something? Yeah, I was going to hop in. And no, go for it. Something. Go for it. Um, I feel like that that's such a big thing that I'm learning as well. I, I keep a lot of things in my head when I'm going through some kind of suffering, and I, I run through it. But a lot of times it never leaves my head, and I feel like that's very dangerous. I feel like as men, that's something that we kind of get trapped into sometimes. When we release that through conversation, like what Drew was saying, there's a power that's unlocked with that kind of vulnerability that really just opens up like all kinds of doors of revelation. And uh, it goes back kind of to what you were saying earlier, Yavis, about releasing things and letting the old things go. Um, like like journaling can do, just putting anything out, getting every all those thoughts out about it so it really can refine your perspective. And I also want to go back to something you said, Yavis, about... Um, kind of wishing that your outlook about something was was better in the, in the past. And man, I go through that same thing. But w- one thing that I, I hate about that is it makes me more self-conscious mm. about things. So now, because I know I didn't recognize X uh, when I went through it, now I'm going to be, now I'm like hypersensitive to everything. And I'm looking, okay, how am I reacting in this situation to that? And I don't want that at all. So I've trying to been trying to counter that and um, just focus on the execution of things going forward because we really can't, we have no control over that. So mm-hmm. um, even though I feel that way, now I'm focused more on not really latching on to 
I'm always trying to do better, but I'm not going to like try to hold on to it. Man, I need a new perspective. I need to try to find a new perspective at all times. That makes sense. I kind of got lost in there. Yeah. No, I thought the, the insecurity part was really interesting because then you start doubting yourself right. instead of having confidence right. in yourself. And that's, again, going back to that chaos. Doubting yourself yeah. is just another version of chaos, which is that evil little bastard that just sneaks up on us. <laughs> um, but to piggyback off of what kind of both of you said, but really what Drew started was the vulnerability aspect. I've been thinking about this a lot. So one of the things that I've learned, so I've been doing this podcast since May 2nd, 2018. And I've gotten a lot of feedback from a lot of different people. And one of the things that I've realized about doing the podcast is um, it is like a constant exercise in vulnerability for myself because, and you guys might've experienced this even when I asked you to be on this episode. Um, it's hard to put yourself out there and let other people listen to what you have to say for a couple of different reasons. Who am I? Why should people listen? Two, am I going to say something stupid? Um, three, is anybody going to like it? <laughs> you know, is anybody going to listen to it and like it? Um, because at the end of the day, we want, we want people to like this. And it's this constant, uh, you know, uh, check to my ego of like, ah, oh, crap, did this episode suck? And this constant exposure of vulnerability of like, man, I'm constantly putting myself out there. But, but the thing that I've learned in that, in that vulnerability is amongst all the people that I've interviewed and talked to, which I've talked to some incredible people. I mean, there is no reason this podcast should have ever gotten off the ground when I look back at it. Like talking about wishing I'd known what I would, what I know now, like I basically winged this whole thing starting out and it just magically worked. Um, but the things that we're doing, the conversations we're having are not normal. Most people, the reason it is, in my opinion, these conversations have resonated with a lot of folks is because folks aren't having these conversations. Mm. We're helping facilitate a conversation for individuals that um, maybe the only conversation that they have because maybe they don't have the people that they can trust to, to talk about this or maybe they don't know where to get that conversation from or maybe they're stuck in a, in a community where people aren't thinking big enough or, or maybe they're stuck in, in, in a community where you know um, opening up is, is frowned upon. Um, and that's originally why I called this podcast millennial manhood. Remember the mission of all of this is let's help men become better members of their families and communities. How do we, how do we improve ourselves altogether? Um, and I think by just having these conversations, if nothing else, we're reigning in that chaos. We're reigning in, um, you know, th that suffering though, by, by expressing it, it's basically a digital journal that we're doing. And that's that's been really, really cool and really, really eye-opening the more I've done it um, because I, I think my vision of what's happening here every time we have a conversation has definitely evolved um, to in a positive direction. Man, that's, that's so good. Um, I have a personal kind of soapbox line that if any of my buddies listen to this, they'll just roll their eyes because I've just shouted it at them so many times. But if you want deep, meaningful relationships, you have to have deep, meaningful conversations. Mm. And if you want shallow surface level relationships, then just have shallow surface level conversations. Because man to man, if I know 
what woman you think is attractive or how much you can bench or, you know, like what restaurant you love hitting up. And we just talk about like the, um, I guess the, the shallow surface level things, the weather, then we're totally missing the point and leaving stuff on the table. If I don't know what you're really passionate about trying to accomplish next year, if I don't know what your deepest fears are, if I don't know what you're really struggling with, like what head trash you've got going on, if as friends or brothers or as men, if we don't have those meaningful conversations, which starts with vulnerability, then we're never going to progress to that next level of relationship and connection. Mm -hmm. So with you doing this on the podcast and facilitating those types of conversations and talking about deep and meaningful things like that's, I think why it's been well received because mm -hmm. that leads to deeper things by being willing to go deeper. Even if that means putting yourself in that echo chamber where you could be thinking about, Hey, am I going to say something stupid? Things like that. Like it's worth it to go through yeah. that. Why do you think that shallowness is, is what permeates our masculine culture? if nothing else, because I would, I would say it does. I think that there's probably a couple reasons. One, because it's the status quo and it's comfortable. Um, I think people have a tendency just in general to want to do what's comfortable and not do what's not comfortable. Um, but also I think that it's a skill set, and mm -hmm. that you have to learn it it's not something that we're inherently good at, especially once we ingrain habits for a long time. Uh, so you have to have someone who's willing to kind of stumble through it awkwardly with you. But once you can do that and you learn, okay, this is how when I go out to uh, dinner and it's me and four of my closest friends, if we're not intentional, all we're going to talk about is LeBron. All we're going to talk about is like, you know, dumb stories from college. And like, that's fine. That's not wrong. But with some intentionality, you can at least mix in there, maybe not totally dominate the conversation with that. But you can also mix in like, hey, man, I, I know your dad wasn't doing too well. How's he doing? Jobs three months ago, like, are you sure you like it over there? How's that going? Like being able to go deeper with people, um, that's a skill set and you have to learn it. Yeah. And that's some, that's some good stuff right there. I was just kind of sitting over here thinking about the same question as Drew was talking. And I think it's kind of twofold It's the shallowness. A lot of times it depends on the relationship. If I'm just meeting you, we want to get shallow and so that we can feel, fill out the social level of each person to see is this person I'm willing to really go deeper with. Mm -hmm. um, just by how they respond to certain things. And then on another level, like Drew was saying, if it's some buddies you've known for some years, it's kind of like aversion. You just don't want to go there because you don't want to be vulnerable. You don't want to. It's much more comfortable talking about LeBron. And it's like if I ask you about your dad who's who's been sick um, in that setting, you're like, well, you, you don't want to say anything wrong. You know, you, mm -hmm. you're tempted to feel, oh, did I step on his toes? You know how people always say, uh, do you mind me asking this? Uh, you know, um, it, it's that kind of thing. 
And it's funny because my wife always says, it doesn't always have to be a deep conversation. But I really <laughs> hate small talk. I hate it. Yeah. And so I yeah. get self-conscious when I'm in small talk. I don't mm. get self-conscious when I'm talking deep. I love talking deep because that's really, that's all I think about. I'm bursting at the seams all the time looking for a deep conversation. I think a lot of young men are because they're mm. they're looking to cleanse themselves with this conversation because they're things that they're struggling with and they need somebody to talk to. But no one will talk to them about it because they're only talking about LeBron or they're talking about Tom Brady uh, or the Clemson uh, Ohio State game, which was awesome the other day. So we we're really needing the outlet and no one's willing to give it to us. Yeah, we have to create it essentially. Right. Right. And, well, but it's funny what you said about what your wife said. Um, I think that's a fundamental difference between men and women because th- think about how women bond with other w- women versus how men bond with other men. Right. Women bond through social interactions where they're constantly having this semi-deep conversation almost, right? Like it's right. it's constant. Um, that's how they bond, whereas we're giving each other shit. Like I'm making fun of you. That's how we bond. <laughs> and we'll just like pick at each other over and over again to to make sure that you know, hey, I can trust you. Um, but then eventually we we need some sort of level of intimacy in conversation with another man um, to really express some of the things that maybe we hold back. Whereas, and again, I'm generalizing here, so full disclaimer, but just in my experience, what I've seen with my wife and her friends and her mom and all these different things is that they're constantly at this like certain level of intimacy that we just don't like. We're more extreme in our person, I guess, in our communication styles as men. All right. Yeah, I love uh, James what you said about feeling self-conscious in small talk. That's because you're not necessarily your true authentic self in small yes. talk. You're yes. You're only talking about you're only talking about like what you think it's okay to talk to this other person about based on what you've talked to them about in the past or what you can kind of glean from what they might be interested in. Like that's not all the things that you're deeply passionate about and that you really care about. That's not who you are when nobody else is around. Um, and so when you can find ways to go deeper quicker or just maybe uh, be that version of yourself, that's why you don't feel self-conscious in that. And so how do you just stay in that space more and more? But when I think about the people who I feel the most care from, the people who I can just tell that they are their authentic selves, those are the people who have deep conversations. Mm-hmm. Those are the people that when like you don't see them uh, in a while and like you randomly bump into them, they're not just asking you like, Hey, how's your day going? They're like, no, how are you? Mm -hmm. Are you doing okay with this? I remember this from the last time we talked. Give me an update. Those are the people that when you spend time with them, you're just like, huh, like they care, like they get it. Uh, So that's absolutely a focus and a goal rolling into 2020 to try and be more like that. Uh, how do you be that person that other people, it just radiates from you, that authentic version of yourself, like where other people can see that and they can feel it because of the questions you ask, because of the things you choose to talk about. Man, that's, that's really good. I love what you said about getting there quicker, getting to that deep level quicker. And that's something I've really been trying to work on too. And just like communicating with my heart, even with the small talk, 
you can you can feel someone when they're talking making small talk you can feel their heart uh, and if you you can feel different triggers if you're listening hard enough and so i'm working on um, being able to communicate and get to those triggers and say something to those triggers that will lead us into a deeper conversation uh, in a very in an eased way so that they don't feel manipulated into to having this conversation that maybe they didn't want to but it's so it's like favorable for both people like oh, i'm getting this conversation i didn't even know that i was going to have and it felt normal to have mm, this conversation sure. um, because like i said we give off triggers in the things we say even in small talk but that's that's so true when you see somebody that you've had deep conversations with those are the people you really want to get to you like man you just light up because it doesn't feel it doesn't feel rehearsed it doesn't feel like uh boxed speech did you just pull out scripted speech it's like man I, I want that i crave that in every interaction i have instead of just like okay how's the weather uh all that stuff that you just say to anybody that you would meet yeah it's it's that whole thing of i mean maybe i'm giving myself away here but if all i do is small talk with you i probably don't like you very much <laughs> yeah. just, yeah. it is what it is and i get a lot of crap from people because I would just walk away from people and just be like, all right, well, there's nothing to be added to this conversation, so bye. Um, and people are like, you're so rude. I'm like, no, rude is pretending like I care. That's mm. rude. That's that's rude. That makes me a liar. So I would rather be honest and walk away and let you guys figure out people that you do want to talk to than sit here and talk to you about some crap that neither one of us cares about. Because, and I go back to this. We have one life, one time, one chance. Okay. We've been recording this podcast for 45 minutes and 47 seconds. That is 45 minutes and 49 seconds now that we will never get back ever again. Okay. I don't want to, I don't want to be on my deathbed someday and think back and be like, crap, I wasted all that time with people who didn't matter. You want to know what's worse? What's that? Spending time with people who do matter, but not talking about the things that matter. Mm, preach. Mm. All right, then, Pastor Hull. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling you, man, that's that's like as we reflect on 2019. Um, and this maybe loops back to what you were talking about at the beginning, James, of trying to find what's essential. How do you trim the fat? How do you slow down and focus on the things that really matter? Um, a buddy of mine who was a groomsman in my wedding, his name's Nick. He mailed me a handwritten letter last week mm. and this thing was like three pages long and I cannot tell you the last time that I got a handwritten letter from like one of my boys that doesn't happen but it was like hey man I'm checking in on all these different touch points of things that we talked about previously and hey I want to like I want to see you next month so let's get together for lunch like he really took time to do that and those conversations matter um, but you don't get to a spot in your day of whether it's chaos, like what we were talking about, of just not being focused on that one thing. If you're running around a million miles an hour, you're never going to take the time to stop and write a three page letter to somebody that matters to you. But when you do those things like that, just like that's like life and energy giving that just I mean, that's so important. So that made a massive impact on me. And uh, I've still yet to write him back. I need to write him back, but uh, <laughs> it was it was really cool. Man, that that reminded me of something 
um, which I'm not sure is fully related, but just the the words kind of remind me of it. I, I heard a quote from Kobe Bryant, and he said, "When you when you study film and you're and you're really giving attention to it and you're really getting in the details of the film of the game, the game slows down." Um, which is crazy. You watch Kobe's fast pace, everything, he's killing it. But that really makes me think about our lives. And when we focus on the important things, everything kind of slows down. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes us look at life totally different. And we see things much clearer when we're focusing on the right things. Uh, it's funny you mentioned the handwritten letter. I got one from my boy, and he's actually one of the only ones who wrote me letters. Like he wrote me one when he graduated from college and one when I said I was going to get married, when I proposed to my wife before she was my wife. And it really does have an impact. You're like, man, in this digital age, who takes the time to sit down and write a letter? Those things just really hit your heart. And you sit there and you meditate on the words. And then it's really just like it pauses that time. It freezes you in that moment and makes you think about, man, all the relationships that you've developed and why why am I not doing things like this? It makes you slow down. That's just so key. Well and and I think I think it's important to think through why did why did those letters hit us so hard? Have you ever sat down and tried to write down a three page letter, handwritten? How hard is it to stay focused? Forget a letter, a journal entry. Mm. A, 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 anything an email how often do you get distracted writing a freaking email somebody took the time three pages handwritten probably not even cursive because this is america (laughs) block letters taking forever okay (laughs) um to do that man that is that is so powerful because again that probably took him 30 minutes and that is 30 minutes he will never get back. He invested something that is not a renewable resource. You know, a, a lot of times, think about the example of the, of the wealthy person who gives a lot of money. When a lot of times in our society, when wealthy people give money, we look at it and say, whatever, they need a tax deduction, a tax write-off. Because money's renewable. I can go make more money. But when wealthy people go and give their time, that's when people look at it and say, Man, that that's a good person because that's something that all of us have a finite amount of. Well, that's why the holidays, like that, the holiday time, just time with family, is a lot more valuable than any gift. Like, yep. who cares about the gift? You know, six months from now, like there may be things that are really impactful, but like that time, that's where the memories come from. Mm-hmm. I cannot tell you three, four, five years ago what I got for Christmas, no shot, but I can for sure tell you where we were and who was there. Um, and what you said earlier, James, the, the nuance, what was it? The nuance is like the beauty of things. Right. I think like taking time to really be nuanced with a friendship or with a relationship and like write those letters or do those things that like aren't just surface level that takes some appreciation and some intentionality and some skill. Like that's where the beauty is. That's where you get that. And you're like, man, that hits me hard because that's nuanced. That's not just like, sup, bro, how you doing? Question mark. That's like, I mean, it's deep, you know, uh, it just resonates. So, uh, yeah, that, that nuance is critical. Yeah. And, and what I found is 
you can get to that nuanced level by just leaning in a little bit more than you would uh, instead of just staying in autopilot, just leaning in just a little bit more. And, and going back to the letter example, you know, we just had our wedding in August. We're still writing thank you letters. We had a, a fairly decent sized wedding. Um, and so we're still writing thank yous. And my wife let me write a couple early on. She's, she's very good at it. And she's very good at hitting those nuances and like writing to a, per, a certain portion of that unique relationship with the person. And I'm like, man, that's good. But it's, it's something so obvious in the relationship. It's very easy. But you just have to take the time to lean in, find that nuance and add value to something like really. And people are calling saying that's the best thank you I've ever gotten because she leans in and, and talks to that relationship and lets that person know like this gift it. It wasn't just a gift. It wasn't just cash you gave me or it wasn't just a gift card or, or whatever it was you gave me. It's meant a lot to us and it helped us build our to start our foundation for our life. And you, you matter to me. You really matter to me. And even back in high mm. school, whatever the relationship was, and you're like, man, those words are so powerful that that time is so powerful. Yeah, that's that's awesome. <laughs> well, I do want to switch topics just a little bit because I want to make sure we we hit on this, even though I think we we can continue going off of this because I think we've got a good stride. But uh, one of you mentioned head trash earlier. All right, 2019. Yeah. What, what was the head trash of 2019? Go. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> both oh, of, man. Okay, folks not watching the video. <laughs> both of your faces just went, like, that was that was pretty pricey. Man. I'll jump on this first. The one big piece of head trash that I've been carrying my whole life, I think, that I really started to wrap my mind around, that I'm trying to eradicate completely in 2020, are expectations, just in general, but specifically in training. I'll give you a story from the other day. I was doing a, a time trial uh, on the track. I was running a 600 meters for, for time to see how fast I can run in. So that's a lap and a half on the track. And I was so psyched up for it. I poured myself into it mentally. I was keyed up. I hop out there, come through that first 200. I'm blazing. I'm on pace to run the fastest 600 I've ever run. I'm feeling good. And my shoe comes untied. Oh, no. It came untied oh. in the middle of the effort. And so I tried to keep going, but my shoe loosened up. I knew I wasn't going to be able to finish the effort. So I got about halfway through. And I had to trash the effort. So immediately, my coaches, he, he's, he's pissed, like just like me, because we just knew that I was about to set the track on fire and run my best time, which would indicate that what I'm about to do on the track in an official race. So we were both pissed, but he let it go very quickly. And he's coming back laughing and joking with me. Of course, he was making me do the effort again. I, had to, I was going to have to do it again. <laughs> but, but for me, in that moment, I was so pissed and so frustrated for one, because I'm physically exhausted because I just ran very fast for half the effort. Even though it was only half, I still was tired. And then for two, what I was more so mentally exhausted because I had psyched myself up. I was running the, the time of my life and it just took so much mental energy because I had already, I was entitled to that result. I knew that I've been working hard. I'm entitled to running a very fast time on this. And so the mental trash of the year has been expectations and thinking that I'm entitled to something just because I've done something before. 
So what I'm trying mm-hmm. to get to in 2020 and in the rest of my life is focusing on the process and the effort put into something and not even caring about the result. The result is going to be a side effect of the work that I put in in the process. Because when I'm tied to the results before it even happens, I'm not even engaged in the moment. So that's the head trash that I'm constantly trying to be on guard for because I get so result focused, so achievement focused when I need to be focusing on execution and engagement in the moment and doing the best I can. And that is a that itself, the success and results ensue out of that by chasing results or chasing happiness or chasing success. It's elusive. And that's in man's search for meaning. I know you probably saw that. He talks about that. He talks about how we take when we chase things directly, happiness, success, it eludes. It always gets away. We'll never get it. But when we focus on the moment and we get engaged and doing the best we can, success and happiness flows from that. Mm. And so I, I want to get there. And as I'm structuring my goals and everything, I want to strive for things. But as I'm striving for those things, I want to have micro goals that keep me engaged in that moment, in the present, instead of being engaged in the future, which hasn't happened, and then just neglecting the present. Mm. So that's some big head trash for me. And I'm yeah. sure a lot of people struggle with that and probably don't even know how to articulate it because I've just worked, I've been working the hell out of this trying to figure out why do I feel so entitled to this? Why does this make me so angry? Why am I so frustrated? Yeah. Mm. There's some uh, some Sam Hinky trust the process in there somewhere. Of, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> my motivational king, uh, Inky Johnson, says, be committed to the process without being emotionally attached to the results. Mm. Like, just how do you get really dedicated to that? Like, hey, what I'm doing today, that's the focus. And like, by just doing this process, that's how you're going to get there. But man, I totally relate to that. Um, Love me some Inky Johnson. Yeah, he's great. He's great. (laughs) Shameless plug for him. Shameless plug. Um, Go Vols. Yeah, right. Uh, I think my head trash might have been slightly different. Um, So in April of 2019, um, I had an opportunity come up, a business opportunity to come up and work uh, with my dad. And so my dad is in the same industry. and has been doing this my entire life for 28 years. And so if I'm building my practice from, you know, a year and a half, uh, if he's on the Titanic, I've got like a little life raft relatively, right. That I'm sailing along. And it was some head trash around, are you capable of building that yourself? Like, do you go join him and work with him and move your entire life from Nashville to Kentucky? Um, or do you decide, you know what, uh, I think I can do all of those things, but the person you become through working through that is even better of, of having to build it. And so there was some, I mean, significant head trash. It like derailed me for about two weeks. I went and sat in like a coffee shop and like journaled until my hand fell off, just trying to figure it out. Like, what am I supposed to do? Am I enough to, take this and get it from where I'm at today to where he's at or where even beyond that, where I want to be. And that was really a lot of, I don't even know what it was. I'm still trying to process it and figure it out. But that head trash of, uh, are you capable 
of taking on this thing and continuing to push and make it there or this seemingly grass is greener type of opportunity that's, that feels like a shortcut, is that the answer? And ultimately, uh, you know, my decision was to try and build it and not to take that, uh, maybe what felt like a shortcut or would have changed other things. And to think that just in making that decision that alleviates all of that head trash, uh, I think is foolish because it still has stuck around to a degree and an element. Um, but absolutely trying to just blast that out of the water in 2020 and completely eradicate that. I love it. I love it. Um, I feel like my whole life has had trash. So I don't even really, <laughs> I asked you guys this question as maybe as a, as a way to try to solve my own problems. I don't know. It's, uh, I think my head trash more sort of revolved around, um, what life goals I have for myself and my family. You know, I mean, quite frankly, full disclosure, my goal is to be quote retired by 2035. What I mean by retired, I mean, completely financially independent of any act of work that I have to do. Um, that my family's lifestyle is sustained by passive business um, investments, et cetera. So that doesn't mean I, I hang up, you know, the shingles. It just means that I don't have to work. Um, but it's not a matter of money. It's a matter of, and James and I have talked about this before and I've talked to, I actually talked to Adam Roddy about it the other day. It's, it's about that freedom. Like I want to be able to just look at Tamara and say, Hey, let's go to Houston. Like now, like I'm buying a ticket and pack of crap and the flight leaves in three hours, you know, and we're going to go see James uh, and his family or H town. There you go. Uh, or, or whatever. Or like we, we go live in Europe for three months out of the year and, and show, show our kids around or, <clears throat> and the only way I can really accomplish that is by being, uh, economically independent. Now getting to that is hard as hell. Like that is not, <laughs> that is not something easy to accomplish. Um, and a lot of my head trash has revolved around like, who are you to try to do that? Um, who are you like, why, why, why would you get to do that? Why would you, um, why are you so special to, to pull something like that off? And, you know, that's been hard to overcome because that really is, is the goal, but it's not just the goal for myself and my family. And again, James and I've talked about this actually the other day is I think one of my gifts in life is that. Uh, I have a pretty high tolerance for risk. Like I'm, I'm pretty willing to to jump off a cliff and see what happens. And um, part of it is a lot of the things that I'm trying and I'm doing, this podcast included, um, to get to that goal is I want to be able to share it with the people who matter most in my life, my friends, my, my, my really close friends, to help them get to that same exact point in whatever route that may take them and help them be like, yo, don't reinvent the wheel. Here's some places I screwed up. Do this. Do it a little bit quicker and help them have that freedom for their families as well. Um, so that that's really what's been going through my mind a lot. And that's been scary as hell um, because I'm inadvertently taking not a, I don't want to say a leadership role, but kind of like a, a front of the guard role um, of just saying, OK, let's see if if let's see. Not if I know it can be done. I've seen it. But let's see how this can be done. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, so, no, 
I think, uh, yeah, sorry. I had a weird look on my face just trying to tie it all together. <laughs> so for James, it's, uh, it's expectations and kind of letting go of that. For me, it's, uh, seeing maybe what looks like a, a gigantic mountain and trying to figure out how to climb it. And for Yavita, I don't even know that you know what your mountain looks like. I think you maybe see like the end point and you're like, but there's like this fog and I don't know how to get from here to there. Um, so it, it's a little bit different because I think I know exactly what to do to get to where I want to be. And yours is a little bit less structured in that journey, but that uh, all of that I think is, is maybe tied together by like, trying to accomplish big things. And like, those are, it's a, a little bit of a, how do you measure up against that? Or how do you create that? Whether it's, I have these expectations for myself that are from me or from other people that seem high or, or should they even be there in the first place? Or, Hey, I'm trying to do these big things. And what does that say about me? Uh, I think a lot of that just gets back to like your authentic self and your view of yourself and, uh, all of those things will probably be refined as we continue to struggle. Well, and I do want to clarify, I do have a very specific five-year, like, well, that's true. Plan of yeah, that's true. Yeah. On, on how, it's, it's not like a hypothetical, like January 1st, 2025, we're economically independent. It's like, no, 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 no. 2020, we need to do this. 2021, we need to do this. 2022, we need to do this to get to January 1st, 2025, um, to that economic independence goal. So, um, it's it, it's the the goal itself isn't isn't the head trash. It's more so like the who do who do you think you are head trash? Mm. You know what I mean? Which good segue. Thank you, Drew. Twenty twenty <laughs> goals. What are they? James, you 20. you lead it off. Twenty twenty goals. I have a I have a whole bunch. I'll just give a couple of them though. Uh, my main one is making the twenty twenty Olympic team. I have a couple of sub goals there with time sub goals and um, and, and and place sub goals. Um, then I have uh, another goal of making some money with options, trading <laughs> options. Right, and right, I made man. it. I made it very low. I made it to. I want to make a thousand dollars trading stock and options. I didn't really put it out there a lot more because I wanted to get my. I wanted to push myself into getting into it. So I didn't say. Yeah, yeah. And then uh let me see. What's the, what's another one? Oh, um another goal is for my wife and I to make it through reading the New Testament together. Okay. So I try to have goals in every sphere, marital, spiritual, physical. Mm-hmm. Um another goal is to set aside the money and plan a trip, uh plan our dream honeymoon for this year. Um, oh, and very important goal is, uh, Q1 to use my full focus planner every day. Mm. And that's kind of a micro goal, which kind of permeates into other things and kind of, kind of helps every other habit I'm doing, which is kind of funny. People probably think we're getting paid by Michael Hyatt to pub, pub, uh, full focus planner, but it's really that good. Because I've I've used a handful of planners. I know Yavis has too, and Drew. I'm sure you have too. Um, and like we were talking earlier, that balance in life is very hard to achieve. But I feel like it really helps you to reflect on those things. Okay, let me get back to the goals. But I think I had one more on there, but I don't have them in front of me. But those those are the main ones. So I had some track goals, some 
uh, marital goals and vacation goals. Yeah, those are awesome. So uh, similarly, they're kind of broken up across the different quadrants or spectrums of my life. Um, I, it's funny, I've got some physical goals. I'm trying to do four marathons this year. Uh, and I've got to work out before work four days a week. Specifically, those are like uh, very important to me. So I actually just uh, signed a contract with my brother-in-law for some accountability to do that. We wrote one up over the Christmas table and uh, signed it with each other. So if I don't execute on those things, uh, specifically the the weekly workouts before work, I have to Venmo him $100 uh, every Monday, but that doesn't happen. So trying to build in some accountability there um, and that would hurt for me. So I don't, I don't want to have to do that. Um, so I want to take a trip once a month uh, with me and Sarah. We're going to go to uh, to visit friends or family that we're close to once every month. Uh, that quality time with people that we're close to is just a huge uh, priority for us. And so we're just going to make that happen. Um, that's something we've kind of already got lined up the first few months of the year and have to figure out the details on the back end. Um, so those are some big ones there. Um, I've got some goals around reading. Uh, so as of this recording, I've read 27 books this year. Um, my goal was to do 30. So I've, I'm trying to finish a couple ones as soon as we, you know, get off the, the call here. Um, you got and so I think, uh, yeah, <laughs> I think uh, probably scaling that back down, but doing about 24, so about two a month for next year will be really good. Uh, that's just been really a cool way to continue learning and hear some cool stories and got a lot of books for Christmas. Um, so, yeah, so other than that, probably just trying to figure out how to be the best possible husband and spiritual leader uh, for my wife. That's something that... Uh, you know, we got a devotional book and just figuring out how to consistently be reading and praying together, how to consistently uh, be that leader within a marriage relationship. I need to crystallize that before 2020 starts uh, for some action items. But that's a, a huge goal. Awesome, man. Man, Drew, that's funny. My goal for the year is 30 books and I'm at 25 right now. I have five that I had to finish. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to make it, but I, I'll at least get to like 27, 28. And there you I, go. Need, I need you, I need you to share your list of books with me after the call so I can see if I need yeah. to add some more. So. No, for sure. For sure. Awesome. Awesome. Well, my goals. Um, so obviously the, the big overarching family goal is that economic independence by January 1st, 2025. So from a mathematical standpoint, what that's going to require on my end, and this is where it gets fun, is it's going to require me deploying about two and a half million dollars worth of capital. Mm. Um, so I got five years to do that. It means I have to come up with two and a half million dollars worth of capital in several different areas. Um, so, you know, goal one for 2020, and it's it's um, it's it's a financial goal in the sense that. Uh, I want to get rid of all liabilities that we have on our balance sheet that are not being paid for by somebody else. So I'll um, get rid of remainder of student loans. Uh, we've got a car loan, uh, some business debt, even though I guess technically the business debt is being paid for by somebody else, the business. Um, but I want that off the books as well. I want a clean slate 
on liabilities that are being that are not being paid for by somebody else so I can replace them with liabilities that are paid for by somebody else. So that's the big overarching goal, which I've got the numbers broken down and knowing how much I need to knock out per quarter. So that shows me how much revenue I need to generate within the uh, business, which shows me how much revenue I need to generate for the household and then also for um, the overarching goal. Uh, second goal is obviously uh, let's get that one half marathon knocked out first before we do there it. There it is. Yeah, half mm. marathon. Not marathon, half marathon. Get that bad boy knocked out. Um, which that really connects to, um, quite frankly, everything else. And then um, the third one is, you know, continue to, and this is more vague because it's, it's hard to, it's hard to write down, but like, just keep growing millennial manhood, keep going to podcast, uh, got a new website, got a new website design, mmcip.co, um, grow the blog side of it all. I know James and I have talked about that, uh, grow the YouTube channel. Um, you know, I think this thing has a lot of potential within, um, the world of self-improvement or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I, I think the potential has been heavily underutilized up to this point, partially due to my lack of time, maybe even laziness. I don't know, but, um, I think it can be a really, really fun, um, springboard for not just myself, but other people that I think, uh, would be great to share their stories, whether it's via speaking engagements or blog posts or podcasts or whatever it may be. If, if millennial manhood, if I can take what I've built here and use it as a springboard to help other people build something greater to where we can impact more people, man, that'll be, that's just awesome. Um, so, so that's really what, um, my 2020 revolves around my goals up to this point, And this is part of closing out the past have really revolved around things that really weren't that important to me. There were things that were important to other people that were told to me should be important to me, especially in the business realm. And uh, I really do feel like this, um, like the way the world is off my shoulder because I've got a very clear vision around what I want done and when I want it done and what needs to be done to get that accomplished. So that's really exciting. That's good stuff, man. Yeah, you reminded me with that blog talking, growing millennial manhood. That's another one of my goals, too, is journaling and blogging, contributing to that every single day. Boom. Do you feel like you struggle at all when you come up with goals and, and all the motivations behind your goals? Either, either you can jump on that. Historically, yes. Because, yeah. again, it just depends on what the motivation was behind the goals. So, like, all right, I'll give you an example. And Drew can relate to this. So in our business, there are certain parameters that are constantly um, presented to you as a way to be successful, blah, 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 you know, write a certain amount of paid for insurance premium, roll over a certain amount of uh, investable assets, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. I don't care about any of that. I don't. There, I said it. Um, I can't care less because it's, it doesn't relate to me. Now, what I can relate to is, okay, how much revenue do I need to generate to be able to do X, Y, and Z? Okay. Now, how do I get to that revenue point? I do care about that. Um, so I've, I've oftentimes struggled with the why behind that. But then another goal, like when I decided in June I was going to run these 5Ks, that had to do with my personal health. There was a very strong why behind that. Let's shout out to Simon Sinek. Start with why. Um, <laughs> Great book. Retweet. I'm yeah, looking retweet. at right now on my little desk. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there has to – I've I've tried to I've tried to bring my goals down to less goals, more 
impactful, more important to a certain very specific why. Again, the 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 2020 eliminating all liabilities that aren't paid for by somebody else, that is a part that is a part of a bigger why. That is a part of eliminating certain liabilities that come off, eliminating them off my credit, allow for me to buy commercial real estate more easily, open up more down payments, uh, or more cash flow for down payments that need a lower number of uh, cash flow coming in to eliminate uh, you know my my lifestyle expenses. Um, and I need that done in a certain period to get to a certain point by 2025 to allow for certain things to be done within my, my family. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I began the Stephen Covey concept, uh, begin with the end in mind. So I'm working my way right. backwards. All right. I'm doing is just reverse engineering. Um, the half marathon, I know my fat ass will not go run unless I've got, <laughs> unless I go pay $105 to, uh, to, uh, St. Jude or whoever. And, um, and no, I got a half marathon run because I will be damned if I embarrass myself because you can look up my time. <laughs> so like it's not going to happen. Um, and then the and then the for example the podcast thing, the millennial manhood in general, like the impact has been so great. I started thinking, man, am I am I selling not myself, but the community I can create to, through this short by not growing this and scaling this and imagine. You know, before every single podcast, I say, who's one person we can impact with this? Well, what if what if that changed to not with every podcast, but with every blog post, with every YouTube video, with every podcast that springs from this podcast? What if we can impact 10 people with each mm-hmm. one of those and 10 exit and then 10 exit again? And, and imagine how much how much uh, better we can make the world and just not that we're going to change the world per se, but just leave it leave it behind better than what we found. So that's. I've been trying to refine that. Hmm. So James, your question was, do you ever struggle with motivation around the goals or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. Coming up with with annual planning. Proper motivation behind it. Yeah. Yeah. So the, excuse me, the book um, that Yavitsa just referenced, start with why that I was literally talking to somebody about that yesterday, because when you understand why you're doing something it's so much easier to execute on it when you don't necessarily have that motivation it comes from that discipline um but that just really maybe just moves the target from understanding why you're doing something to uh what you actually want which may be a weird vague thing so that just takes time to understand what is it that you really truly want not what other people expect from you or what a business coach expects from you or what your friends or your peers, but what do you actually want in your life to go try and accomplish? Um, but most of my goals are through that why, I think probably more focused on, it's funny, uh, either what I feel like I can do for the Lord or what I feel like I can do for my wife or my friends than it is for myself. There are some of those that it's like, I really want to, uh, you know, make sure that I'm able to run and be healthy, but that ties back into so that I can uh, have more energy and be active and not put on the dad bod by the time that we decide to have kids. Like there's other things that it it focuses around. I think that more than anything, it's some of those external factors that motivate me uh, just in helping determine goals. It's like, what's going to set me up the best so that also you can then turn and like share that and help that those are the people you care about. Uh, no, I really like those answers. And 
part of the reason I even asked that is because of start with why. That's probably one of the most impactful reads I had all year. Um, and I feel like as I now as I look at my goals, because my why is to do things for the Lord and to impact others through that same lens, I look at some of my goals. I'm like, is this a selfish motivation? So then I mm-hmm. struggle with I've been doing this for X long, X amount of time. Is this a motivation I'm behind? But I'm still passionate about this, but it, it seems like I can only find selfish motivations behind it. So that's that's kind of where I'm going with that is, is the motivation good enough um, for for what I'm what I'm looking for? Is it is it is it unselfish? Is it is it impactful? Is it transcending just me? And I think about um, a little statement that Jim Rohn said. His mentor asked him what's his, what his goal was, and he said, "I want to make a million dollars." And his mentor says, "Why did you want to why you want to make a million dollars?" And he said, oh, "It just sounds." Sounds good. I'm paraphrasing. He probably didn't say exactly like this. And his mentor said, you should want to make a million dollars for who you will become along the way. Mm. Because you look at it, someone who wins the lottery, they made a million dollars, but they're not changed as a person. Their mm. bank account is the only thing that's changed. They don't have any habits. Their foundation is still shoddy at best. Um, they don't know how to spend the money. They don't have any budget. Tape. I'm assuming they don't have a strict budget in place with this million dollars in their account. But when you've worked for that million and along the way you've built these habits, um, you've leveled up along the way, then you're a different person. And you could lose that million dollars and then make it back again because it's a part of you. Yeah, That's how the million, several millionaires lose their money and they're able to build it again because the wealth is in their mindset and not in their account. Yep. So I think about those kind of stories and examples and start with why as I'm approaching my goals now. And I don't like some of the results I'm getting, some of the answers I'm getting for myself. And so now it makes me think, okay, now I need to make this goal even smarter. Mm. It, it You made me think of, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but my great grandfather always said, um, and this is a guy who survived World War II, um, in Yugoslavia, he said to my dad all the time, son, there's one thing they can't take from you, and that's what's up here, pointing to his head. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing they can't ever take from you. They can take everything else, but they can't take that from you. Unless they take your head, then it doesn't matter. But <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's the powerful part of what you said about mindset. And um, Y'all, I this was awesome. Like, way to start on Monday. <laughs> I wish this was an actual work week because we could go like crush the world after this. <laughs> uh, but you know, we're running up on time. And again, I want to, I want to thank both of you for taking time out of your days. Um, hop on here and, you know, uh, have a great conversation. I'll, I'll give you guys, you know, any final words that you want to share um, before we wrap it up. Well, I think we went out with the bang last episode of 2019. Boom. Yeah. It was really cool to just sit back, relax, sip some coffee, and just have a deep conversation with you guys. And this is the first time I've talked with anyone outside of my wife about some of these things. So it's really kind of cleansing. And I think we got to do this some more. We got to do this again. And going to 2020, ready to crush these goals. That's right. Yeah. As a first time guest on the podcast, definitely appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk with you guys. And, um, 
I don't know. I think the last thing I might add is that some of the topics we talked about today are covered in a book called Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. Um, I love her. And I had not heard about her until I told some buddies that I was reading that book. And she has like a cult following, man. Um, People are really into her work. And I understand why. Um, It has helped, I think, equip me with how to have conversations about vulnerable things and like specifically what that looks like from a lens of leadership. And so if the things that you heard today are something you want to learn more about, I think that's a really good place to start. So you're telling me that's another book I have to put in the description? 100%. Okay. I'll, I'll add the link. We will have a link to the full focus planner. We will have a link to Michael Hyatt's best year ever. We will have a link to Simon Sinek, start with why. And we will have a link to Brene Brown, what? Dare to lead? Dare to lead. Okay. Boom. Man, I got some homework. There it is. Yeah, well, I'm adding that to my list for sure. Well, you know, again... Thanks, guys. I love it. I think this was awesome. Uh, to everybody listening, with all the struggles that have happened this year with Millennial Manhood, particularly my car wreck that left me not doing the podcast for a couple months, you know, thank you for your patience. Um, that's been super encouraging that, you know, folks kept listening because at the end of the day, again, I, I do think back at a lot of like, who am I to have this podcast? But it's been life changing. Uh, the feedback has been awesome. I love you guys. I appreciate y'all. Um, you know, I, I, I'll work as hard as I possibly can to make this as useful and beneficial as possible. Um, but mmcip.co is the new website. Money um, behind it and set it up a little bit nicer. Uh, info at mmcip.co is where you can email me. Um, if you want to get in touch, feel free to email or feel free to reach out to me via social media. I'll put Drew and James's info in the description as well. So you can, you can uh, give a shout out to them or connect with them if you want. But outside of that, again, hope everybody had a wonderful 2019, both the good and the bad. I hope you have a very blessed 2020. Let's go out there and let's crush it. 